Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the sermon of the week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. I want to talk to you today about the latter of your life, and we'll begin with the birth of the church. The birth of the church, uh, if you don't know, happened in Acts chapter 2. Um, there has been the resurrection. Jesus says, go to Jerusalem and just tarry, fancy word for hang out there, be patient and wait for me because the Holy Spirit's going to come. So the, Jesus has returned to heaven and he says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit in my place and he'll be with you. They didn't know what that was going to look like. They didn't know what that was going to sound like, taste like, whatever. It was just, we don't know, but we're going to go do what the Lord told us to do. And I got to say, I was thinking about this the other day. It's just so, it's just so like the Lord. You know, there was, the Lord said that to like 500 people. They went to the upper room. They started with 120 people. They started with 500 and ended up with 120, which is like one out of five left. 80% left. That's not how you grow a church. Wait a second, stay for the prayer meeting. No, you got to go, you got to go. We're going to do what the Lord told us to do, even if we lose 80%, right? You know what I'm saying? Hello. Apply this to your home. Apply this to your life. We've got to do what the Lord's told us to do. And so we're going to stay here until whatever that is. The promise that he gave was that you will be endued with power. That's all that we know. Because up until this time, they've just been a bunch of scared little men and women. And I say women because Mary, the mother of Jesus, was in the upper room, if you didn't know that. Um, <clears throat> Mary, the mother of Jesus, in the upper room. Read it in Acts chapter 2. So what happened was uh, now the day of Pentecost has come, which is 50 penta. Penta, prefix for five. Penta, two, the Pentateuch is five books. P- uh, Pentecost, 50 days. It's actually, a, I'm way down in the weeds, but I think this is interesting. Pentecost is a Jewish festival, which has been around since the Old Testament forever. And um, uh, it celebrated the beginning of the harvest. That's when the Lord decided to bring forth the Holy Spirit, was on the, the celebration of the harvest. Pretty cool. So it's 50 days after Passover. So they've been in this prayer meeting for about 10 days because Jesus... Okay, I know some of you are already lost. Watch. Jesus, watch. Jesus resurrected... Right? Jesus resurrected and uh, he uh, was on the face of the earth for 40 days before he ascended, according to the Bible. If you don't know that, that's the truth. He was on the face of the earth for 40 days after he resurrected. So now he's ready to ascend and he tells all these guys, go to Jerusalem and hang out there until you're endued with power. So how many days has lapsed? Say 40 he tells them to go where? Jerusalem. Wait there till you're endued with power. Then in Acts chapter 2, it says, on the day of Pentecost, so now we know another fixed date, and we know that Pentecost happens how many days after Passover? 50. Say 50. So we got 40 to when he resurrected. Uh, he resurrected 40 days till the ascension, and then he says, go and wait, and then the Holy Spirit comes on Pentecost, which is 50. So that tells us that that prayer meeting lasted 10 days. They were, in, they were in the upper room for 10 days waiting for the Holy Spirit to show up. And what were they doing? Hiding. They were praying, but they were hiding. They're like, oh man, they killed our leader. They killed our leader. He said, wait here till we get power. So they're head out. They're, 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 you know, they're afraid for their lives. If they kill Jesus, they'll certainly kill us. But then what happened was a sound... Not, not, not a, a rushing wind did not come into the room. It says in the scripture that a sound like a rushing wind and something like cloven tongues of fire. It wasn't cloven tongues of fire, but it was something like that. It was like that because you can only describe things you've never seen in relationship to things that you have already seen. Like, tell me about the Mall of America in Minneapolis, Eric. Well, if you've never seen it, I can only explain it to you like this. It's like a mall, but a really big one. (laughs) You've never been to the Grand Canyon. Let me explain it to you like this. It's like a hole, but a really big hole. (laughs) Right? Explain to me what... um, 
octopus taste like, Eric? Well, it's like chewy shrimp slash chicken. Because I'm going to explain it to you in terms that you already know so that you can begin to get and understand. So there was a sound like a mighty rushing wind and there were tongues like fire. I, I, I just, I can't, it's just an amazing thing. And then what happened was after they received the P-O-W-E-R, which is the Holy Spirit, the dunamis of heaven, the dynamite of heaven, they kicked the door open, bam, here we are, Jerusalem. And they started preaching. They went from a little, a little, they went from cowards to Aaron Burke going down on the Capitol building saying, hey, Jesus is Lord. Do whatever you want to me. I've got a testimony. Yeah. <laughs> right? Too many, too many testimonies. He's got a testimony. Why does he have such a great testimony? Because he had a great trial. You want a great testimony? Buckle up, buttercup. <laughs> Right? So this is the day the church was born. Right. Acts chapter 2. And then, of course, we know Peter. He's going to be at the front of the line. And so he preaches the first sermon here in Acts chapter 2. And on it goes. And, 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 and he, he, he tells them about Jesus. He goes back to the Old Testament. He explains the whole thing to them. This is who we are, guys. This is the church. And Peter tells them all about, all about that. And you know what they do? When he gets done preaching, they go, that's amazing. What should we do? And he says, you should repent. You should turn from your wicked ways and you should give your life. And Jesus, the Lord, added thousands of people, thousands of people in that one altar call that day. Then at the end of that chapter, in verse 42, we ask what happens next. Say, Pastor, what happens next? As soon as the Lord added, in verse 41, 3,000 were added to the church that day, the church. Then the next verse starts like this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, say fellowship, to the breaking of bread. Everybody say, let's go eat, and to prayer. Wow, everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All of the believers were gathered together and they had everything in common, even some selling their possessions and goods so that they could give to anyone who had a need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I want to talk to you today about the ladder of your life, the rungs on this ladder, and what... What the, mm, uh, what would be the word? When you form a corporation, the corporation has a charter. You ever heard that term? So tell me about the chart. Tell me about the bylaws of that organization, the charter of the organization. Well, the church was formed by God. It's his plan. It's the plan of the Lord. It's not my plan. It's not a bunch of historical church fathers' plans. This is the, this is the plan of God. He says we're going to have the church. What is the charter? What are the rungs on the ladder of your life? And they are these, according to what we just read. They get together to learn the word, the apostles' teaching. Then they fellowshiped. They had prayer together. And they worshiped together. These are the four rungs I want to take the next few minutes and talk to you about. And how important they are. Let me say, I know that, Pastor. Well, if you do, then why aren't you doing them? Right? Don't tell me about the decision. Don't tell me about the decision. Show me the action. Well, I decided to follow Jesus. Congratulations. I bet, I bet, I bet Aaron decided not to drink a hundred times before he actually stopped drinking. I made it. I decided. That's why you never ask in an interview. You say, well, you can ask the question, do you do drugs? And listen to the answer the respondent gives. Oh, yeah, I decided back in high school not to do drugs. Does that mean he doesn't do drugs? No. Because he made a decision doesn't mean it's so. I'll try again. Just because you make a decision doesn't mean it's so. You got to put some shoe leather on your faith. You got to climb the ladder of your life. And these are the only rungs that God instituted the very moment the church was formed. 
They're like, not just the four, they're like the four wheels on a car that goes off-road. You know what happens if you don't have four-wheel drive? You're in the ditch. You know what happens if you do have four-wheel drive? Oh, man, watch this. Watch this Toyota. Turn the volume up. and not the bad picture of you upside down drowning in the creek, right? Because you win more flies with, catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. That's what your life's supposed to look like. If it doesn't, you have a problem. I mean, an airplane, you need what? Besides drag, thrust, lift, all those different things, four elements. I was thinking about the four food groups I learned in school, which is fruit and vegetable, grain, dairy, and protein. Oh, I must have given you the wrong slide. That's my other four basic food groups, which is chocolate cake, chocolate donuts, chocolate chip cookies, and chocolate brownies. But that is actually some people's, hello, that's some people's Christian diet. And you think, why am I so anemic in the spirit realm? Why am I so weak in the spirit? Because you're not using the four food groups. Since 450 B.C., the four elements are the, of the world are defined as earth, water, air, and fire. If you want to go grow as a Christian, there are four actions. We're going to call them your hands and your feet. You have two hands and two feet. These are, these are the four things. It's the four-wheel drive, if you will, that's going to help you climb the ladder. Are you along for the ride in my analogy? Say yes. yes. Oh, thank you. So the, these four rungs are your hands and your feet. And the question is, I guess, it's a little sidetracked, is are your hands, go back to the picture there, are your hands and feet calloused? What are your hands? How beautiful are the feet of them that bring good news? How pretty was Jesus' feet? Probably not very pretty. Walking down the road in sandals, stepping in donkey dung. Camel stuff. Walk around a farm at all in sandals at the end of the day. What do your hands look like in the spirit realm? If you could see your hands in the spirit realm, are they like just soft Lotion covered. <laughs> oh, in fact, you don't even touch anything. You wear gloves all the time. What do your feet look like in the spirit realm? Do you actually do it? Be his hands and feet? It's how his will is advanced in the kingdom. So from day one, the church... We're dedicated to doing four things, learning the word, fellowship, prayer, and worship. Write those down. And I want you to understand that we're dedicated to doing these things together because no man is an island, right? So what are they? Apostles teaching. That's discipleship. That's learning. That's understanding. When was the last time, these are just little diagnostic questions, when was the last time you sat down with the Bible and you did a word study or you said, I want to know more than just those words on the page. I want to get, I want to get some more out of that, right? It's like when you squeeze an orange versus when you squeeze an orange. I paid good money for those oranges and I'm making orange juice. I'm going to put the hurt on them, right? Listen, God gave his life, Jesus gave his life for you. Squeeze a little bit, right? Dedicate yourself to the apostles' teaching. Know it and have a reason for why you know it other than, well, that's what my church believes or that's what pastor thinks. What do you think and why do you think that? Well, someone's going to challenge me and, and, well, good. Why don't you get a little sharp? Understand. A lot of people don't share their faith because they don't have a reason for their faith. Oh, man, you guys are being so quiet today. 
second thing they dedicated themselves besides the word was fellowship. Koinonia is the Greek word, which means participating together in partnership. That's how you remember what koinonia means, is fellowship, like fellows in a ship. Not a canoe, they tip way too easy. Prayer, talking and listening to God. Talking and listening to God. Listening is a very, very important thing. We can talk a lot. And sometimes, have you ever been around people that just talk so much you feel like they're hiding something? That's how God feels sometimes about us. The Lord said, why don't you just be quiet a second? Because in a conversation between me and God, who do you think has the most wisdom? I think he does. I think I would want to hear from him. So that's why in your prayer time, you just stop and be quiet. It's called meditation, if you don't know that. We, ha- we owned it first before the world owned it. We're to meditate on the word of God day and night. Prayer, together, like nine o'clock on Sunday mornings here. If you've never been here at nine o'clock on a Sunday morning, it's when we pray together. Well, we should do that in, in, the, in the worship service. We do, but we just have about 90 minutes. We have a whole hour to pray together. It's one of the rungs of the ladder. It's how we climb, if you will, the ladder of success in the spirit realm. How is that? We devote ourselves to the teaching of the word, to prayer, to koinonia, and number four, to worship. Proskuneo. Proskuneo is the Greek word that sounds a lot like prostate. Not prostate. Prostrate. Wow, that's so bad. Prostrate. Prostrate. Worship means to prostrate. Proskuneo yourself. If you look it up in the Greek, it means literally to kiss. If you worship, you kiss like a dog licking the master's hand. To fawn, literally or figuratively, to prostrate oneself in homage, to do reverence and to adore. This is what, this is, this is it. These are the four, these are the four wheels of the car. These are the four elements of flight. These are the four elements in, 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 in wind and earth and fire, earth, wind and fire. Right? This is, these, these are the rubric. These are the things that God said, okay, congratulations. We're starting the church. What should we do? We, you got to dedicate yourself to the word. You're going to fellowship. You got to pray. You got to worship. The catechism tells us what is the chief end of man? To glorify and enjoy God forever. That's worship. That's why we're here is to worship. That's why we exist to be in relationship with God. Martha was way too busy. Mary sat at his feet and worshiped. Who did Jesus think was the better, doing the better of the two? Mary. She sat at his feet. Martha, Martha, Martha. And we all think, because I'm Martha inclined, anybody, any other Martha inclination people around? Got to do, 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 do. You know what? You know when you do, 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 God goes, that's a bunch of doo-doo. <laughs> what does he want? He wants you to sit at his feet. He wants you to worship him. What about this and what about that? Mm, I think if he really wanted that done, he could go like this. And just create it and speak it into existence. If you really needed it, right? What he wants is for you to worship him. I love to worship. I'm a bit of a Martha, but I'm also a bit of a Mary. Um, I wish I was more Mary than Martha. And God's working on me in that. And And I think about what worship looks like for me. Think about what worship looks like for you. What does that look like to you? Is that you standing there with your hands raised? And why do you raise your hands? Is that you shouting? Why do you shout? Is that you there standing with, you know, hot tears running down your cheeks of thankful? Why? why? 
you know? Um, worship is, is 25% of what God said we should be about. It's that vital. And that's how, that's how you need to be engaged. So when we're praying, whether it be for Lexi or, or for the country or our leader, you need to be involved in that. Because the problem is, if what you think, if what you think is that this is just a show, and you're a consumer, and oh, that was a good service today. Oh, the music was good. We'll give it a nice, polite golf clap. No, it's why we're here, is to pray and to worship and to study the word, Right? See, because I've studied the word and now I'm sharing with you what I've studied. So if you don't take notes, then do you really even care? Well, I'll remember. No, you won't. No, you won't. No, you won't. If it's convicting, well, then praise the Lord. Well, it's all just a bit much. Well, worship, you could put this in your theological matrix alongside with me because it's where, I, it's where I land. Worship can never be too extravagant. Write it down. Worship can never be too extravagant. How do I know? Well, one of my primary proof texts would be when Mary poured an annual salary of perfume on Jesus. Who got sideways? Judas. Do you know how many poor people could be fed with that money? Jesus said, whoa, whoa, whoa. She's worshiping me. Let's just relax here a second. Let's keep our priorities straight. You mean to tell me we shouldn't take care of the poor? No, but it's not on the list. It's not top four. Boy, it's quiet. Yeah. It's not top four. What are we talking about? Worshiping the ch- in the church should be something more than preparation for the preaching of the word. Right? Yeah. It's just what we do. It's just what we do before pastor preaches. No, it's not. It's, in fact... I have actually led services where I'm leading worship and I go to myself, oh, let's just worship the Lord for the whole 90 minutes. And I just keep playing for 90 minutes. And then some people go, oh, I came to hear the preaching of the word. You, you, that's great, that's great. No, 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 no problem, learning the word. But how about worship? We just, we just worship him. I've had, I gotta say, I've had, I've had more This is just an extemporaneous thought. I've had more meaningful encounters with God during worship than I ever had sitting in a seat with my arms folded listening to some preacher. I just got to say that. Secondly, I've had more meaningful encounters with God on my knees at an altar at the end of the service while I was praying than I ever had sitting there taking notes listening to a sermon. Because those are moments when God has an opportunity to talk to you. And fellowship, I mean, my goodness, hanging out with each other, being in each other's home, breaking bread together. What are these things? These these four things are first love activities. First love activities. When you first got saved, when you first got yourself together in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit, nobody had to tell you what these were. You just did them, man. You couldn't keep me away from church. I wanted to dig into the word. I wanted to pray. I wanted to seek his face. I wanted, I'd listen to worship service in the car. I'd listen to worship in the radio. I'd listen to worship. I just, you couldn't stop me. But what happens then is your love grows cold. I'm telling you, these are first love activities. How do I know? Well, Revelation chapter two, Jesus speaking to the church, I believe it's Ephesus, says, I hold this against you. You've forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you've fallen? Repent from those things and get back to what you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place. 
And then after he gets done chastising, um, after he gets done chastising all the churches, and, prim- and, and really the, the church at Ephesus for losing its first love, as soon as you come out of what that is in Revelation in chapters up through three and then into four, he, he begins to explain to us what worship looks like when he describes heaven. There were 24 elders. And then there were four living bees. There was a, one like a lion, one like an ox, one like a, a, a man, one like an eagle. And they were covered in eyes and they, and they flew around the throne and there were the 24 elders, most likely one, the 12 apostles and then one representative from each of the tribes and they, they're around the throne. There's the, there's the throne and there's the Lord sitting on the throne and then there's a rainbow above him eternally and then all around him is a sea of glass like crystal and here are all of the 24, the 24 elders and then these, these amazing seraphim flying all around him and they just say, holy, holy, holy. I mean, if Jesus was a songwriter and he was and he is, what did he say? Is the song that's revolving and endlessly on the music of heaven, is it love, love, love? No, it's holy, ladies and gentlemen. Our God is a consuming fire. Well, yes, he's love and he's love and he's love. If all he is is love, you've perverted what love is. There There has to be all of who he is. That's why I want, and you only discover that when you pray, when you worship. I, I, I'm a bit concerned for the church at large, not this church, but the church at large. You know, every generation wants to rethink the church, re-strategize the church, reinvent the church, makes it something that's more palatable to this generation. I'm all in favor. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm down for plexiglass pulpits and lights and, and, and hazer and all that. That doesn't bother me at all, you know, because I, I've worshiped on the front row of a church in Guatemala and in the sticks in Africa. It, it just doesn't, environment does not dictate whether I feel the presence of the Lord or not. It's nice, but you've got to get to a place where you, where you say that isn't church. What church is, is those four things. There's these ladders of my life. Sure, over the years, the church has had her flaws. The church has had her problems exposed, uncovered. But, but the, the modern rash rush to deconstruct the church is a very dangerous thing. I, I'll tell you what I think it is in many regards. It, it's almost like spiritual anarchy. You familiar with anarchy? You know, anarchists? Anarchists are the ones with the big red letter A on their shirt, and they run around downtown and they tear everything up because they, they say, what we will build after we tear it all down will be better. And so there needs to be no laws, there needs to be no regulations, there needs to be nobody in charge of everything, and you stick a microphone in their face, and they'll say, well, what is the plan? And their only plan is to tear everything down first, and then we'll come up with a plan. That's anarchy. That's anarchists. That's anarchism. That's my, the, 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 the ecclesiastical, the, the, the church equivalent of anarchy is deconstruction. Let's tear it all down because they don't have a plan. They just say, well, this is broken. This isn't working. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm admitting to the fact that I do believe that there are, are some flaws and some problems that have been exposed in the church. But when you, throw all of, when you throw out the baby with the bath bottle and you say, you know what we need to concern ourselves with is social activism, philanthropy, or you know what we should do? We should just, we should just let open our arms so wide that we, that we validate alternative lifestyles, LBTGQ, That's when retention is more important than the word of God. That's when numbers are more important than the word of God. Peter wasn't to the 500 in the upper room. You should stay, you should stay. Maybe he said you should stay. But when they left, sometimes there's a thing called a blessed departure. I'm going to tell you something right now. I have not said this in a very long time. And it's part of who I am. And that is this. I believe during worship, and I'm going to do a series I'm going to lead worship. Lexi's done a fantastic job. And so what's going to happen with worship? I'm going to take over leading worship uh, for, for a season. I'm going to do a, do a series on worship. This is why it's so near and dear to my heart. But um, is, that, is that 
I believe in a worship service. When you can reach a simple majority, when you get 51% of the congregation not concerned about themselves, not concerned about what time it is, not concerned about the temperature of the room or how loud something is or how soft something is or the color of the woman's hair in front of me. And I can just, I can just either I have to close. The reason I close my eyes, there's nothing in the Bible says about close your eyes. You know why I close my eyes? So I have to look at you all. Because some of you say, well, that's just, that's just all in the flesh. You know, I'll tell you what it looks like. From up here, when I see someone in the flesh, it's not somebody on their face worshiping God or with their hands lifted. Generally, when I see someone in the flesh during worship, they're like this. See? So, back to my point. The point is this. If we can get 51% of the people to say, you know what? I'm going for it. I don't care what they say, what they say. My wife, I know she does, she'd be so embarrassed. And my husband, he'd just freak out if I lifted my hands up. You know, when you say, listen, this is, this is what I got to do. I got to do this. And if I could get 51, if we can get 51, a simple majority of people to do that. And so I, I lead worship. Lexi leads worship. Aaron leads worship. And we're going for it. And I've decided early on in ministry, day one, we're going to have church whether you have it with us or not. You know, if nobody else showed up today, I would still stand here and I would still preach and I would still have church. So that's, that's my level of determination. So you say to yourself, okay, well, then you just got to try harder. And, and, and listen, I'm a worship leader, not a worship pusher. Get in there, worship the Lord. That, that's, not how, that's, not how you make, that's not how you make love to someone. And we are coming into an intimate relationship with the Lord, right? And I can't, and, and this, this intimate place with the Lord is just a very small, intimate place. It's, a, it's called the Holy of Holies with a little seat called the Ark of the Covenant, about the size of a love seat if you do the dimensions right. And that, that means that you don't need me in the middle of your worship. I'm a worship leader. And I say, come on, I, I go in. I go into worship and, I, and I'm already there. I'm worshiping the Lord. I'm, I'm having a great time. And then, as a worship leader, I come out in the spirit realm and I look around and I go, oh, remember 30%. I'm going back in. Maybe I can woo some more people in. And I go back into worship, let's just worship the Lord. And every once in a while, hey guys, come on, man, let's worship the Lord. And he got this, and he got this, and he got this, and you know, he got this. Like, okay, I'm going to go worship the Lord. 51%. Because something spiritual happens when the majority of the people, when there's positive peer pressure that says, man, this church is going for it. We're going we're, we're gonna to go after this too. Right? And then what happens is somebody gets all offended because we're doing this. Well, that's just way too much worship. <laughs> that's way too much worship. I, many years ago, I walked into a Walmart and the greeter said, hey, I like your church, Pastor. I said, well, thanks. He goes, I came, I came, I came once or twice. He goes, man, that worship's just too, too long for me. I said, well, I, just, I, didn't, I didn't drop a beat. I said, well, it's not for you. I said, not for you. Worship can never be too extravagant. I have a sermon I'm going to get back to in a second, but you can tell that worship's been boiling in my spirit for a while. And when it comes up is one of the important things for connection. See, you didn't think this was a connection sermon. See, I got you. I got you. God gave his church a strategy, and it wasn't make the table longer. He said, do this. He said, do this. So, that's my introduction. I've not even begun to scratch the surface here. But I'll, I'll, I'll hit the salient points. We'll get in the helicopter. We'll just skim across the top of the mountaintops. We'll drop a few bombs along the way, and hopefully you'll catch something. I want to show you a picture. If you, if, you work, if you work and OSHA is involved in your life at all, you're familiar with three points of contact. Three points of contact is how you're supposed to climb a ladder. It allows a person the maximum stability and safety. And so these rungs on the ladder are amazing. I mean, if you stop thinking about it, ladders are amazing. Why are they amazing? Why are the rungs on the ladder? Because they, listen to me, they get you to a place you couldn't get all by yourself. I'll try again. Why is this ladder, why are these rungs, 
worship and, and giving and fellowship. Why are all of these things so important? Because of the rungs of the ladder. You're not going to get to where you need to get in the spirit. Well, God hasn't been talking to me. Well, you haven't been climbing Jacob's ladder. You haven't been, you've been, haven't been on the pursuit. Or you tried and you fell. Well, why did you fall? Well, there's two important rules. Number one, you should place your ladder on a level, solid footing foundation. I didn't make it up. I just looked it up. How to climb a ladder. Step number one, put it on a sure foundation. And number two, lean it against a stable structure. Those are the first two rules. Well, the foundation, according to 1 Corinthians 3, is no one can lay another foundation that's already been laid. And that's Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 3.11. 1 Peter 2.6. Mark 12.10. Write them down or listen to it again later. And then lean it against the right structure. I've actually talked to a few people and I've actually had to tell them this to their face. You know what? You climbed the ladder of success in your life. Congratulations. But now you've realized you leaned it against the wrong building. The ladder is not leaning against the right wall. Then every step you take just gets you to the wrong place faster. And when I'm talking about the church... When I talk about leaning the ladder of your life, putting on a sure foundation, leaning it against a, sure, a, 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 a building, leaning it against something that is, I'm talking about the church. Now, here's what some people don't understand about the church. They think the scaffolding around the church is the church. And they spend a lot of time and they spend a lot of energy playing on the monkey bars that is the scaffolding that is the church. Ladies and gentlemen, don't ever think the scaffolding used in the construction of the church is the ladder you're supposed to be climbing on. Like I've already said, you've got to start with Christ as your foundation and the church leaning your life against the church. If you don't, it looks like this. I'm going to show you a few pictures real quick. Also known as why women live longer than men, but this is... This is what some people's faith walk looks like. Next one. Yeah, not a good foundation and leaning against electrical wire. Mm. But he's at the top. Next one. One of my favorites, this guy here. The backyard partier. Like that. If you could see the photo close enough, the tabletops are actually wet. It's raining. Next one. Putting the ladder on the stairs, that's always good. Next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my favorite, come on, honey, I'll help you. Notice it's the wife that's up on the ladder and the husband's saying, babe, you got it, you got it, you got it. So here's what we're going to be begin with. Can I have another 10 minutes? Aaron, uh, somebody back in the booth, let the, let the rooms know I'm going to be an extra 10 minutes. I'm going to give, begin with this assumption. You're on a sure foundation and you're leaned against the church. I got to start there. So if you're not there, if your life is not on Christ and you're not leaned against a sure foundation, the rest of this is going to be irrelevant to you. But I'm going to start and believe that a lot of you, your foundation is already there and, you're, and, and the church, not the scaffolding, is important to you. And so we're going to keep our three, our three points of contact to learn the word, fellowship, pray. Because if you're not, you're going to fall. If you don't, you'll fall. Here's, a, here, here's an interesting point. You're not going to climb a ladder with your hands in your pockets. Can we start there? Haven't seen a lot of successful ladder, clatters, ladder climbers that look like this with their hands in their pockets. Why? Because you've got to keep three points of contact. Here's another thing. There's no elevators. Some people think there should be elevators in the church so you can get to, that's just how it works. It's hard work, it's dedication, it's prayer, it's fellowship, it's reading the word and being consistent in all of that. It may not be glamorous, but if you want to climb to the top of the right ladder, then you have to. One step at a time. <laughs> Don't look down. Keep your eyes up and your three points of contact. Now the world looks at our, our four things that we need to do 
in our Christian life to be strong and to, to, to climb the ladder and, and to be all that God's called us to be as the church. It's what he instituted on the very first day that we, that we convened on the day of Pentecost. But the world has, has competing philosophies, don't they? They look at you and you say, oh, this is what I do. Put the four things back up for me, if you would. These are the things that we do. Oh, you know what? If you're just, your optimism, if you're just, if you just remain optimistic, it's all going to be okay. No, optimism is not going to be a life's philosophy that will see you climb the ladder. Acceptance. Presentism. That's a big one right now. Big modern heresy. Oh, just trust your heart. Just trust your heart. Just trust your heart. Well, Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Beyond cure. Who can understand it? 1 John 3.20. Whenever our heart condemns us, however, God is greater than our hearts. Competing philosophies against our four-wheel drive vehicle is nihilism, which means it's all pointless anyways. Just give up. Who cares? Hedonism. Oh, man, if it feels good, do it. Whatever you want to do, man, YOLO, you only live once, go for it, man. Carpe demon, go for it. I'm in it to win it. It's just all hedonism. No. A resurgence, stoicism. These are all competing alternative philosophies to what God says, here's how you're going to succeed in life. So that's our charter. Learning the word, worship, prayer, and fellowship. Are you learning the word? We've got two adult classes starting in the fall. We've got encounters coming up in September. We've got lots of opportunities for you to grow in your faith. Are you availing yourself? Fellowship. Are you getting together, breaking bread with fellow Christians? Whether it's a connect group or you say to yourself, you know what? We need to find some Christian friends from the church and we need to go out to dinner or have them over once, once in a while. Cheryl went out to dinner with friends this week. We're having friends over at our house next week. I can't have every one of you in every week, but I'm doing my part. What are you doing for koinonia? What kind of koinonia do you have? Well, I got a guy who says he's a Christian, but he cusses all the time, and I hang out with him. We drink beer together. Well, that's not what I'm talking about. Prayer. When was the last time you came to prayer meeting? These are things that God said you're doing these things together. They did all these things together. Worship. I've already talked on that enough. I'm out of time nearly. So I want to give you this. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, it says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably. Meaning, you have to worship God the way he prefers not the way you prefer, which is a little antithetical to today's culture. God says, this is how I prefer that you worship me. Lift your hand, shout unto God, weep tears of repentance, get on your face, versus however you feel most comfortable. Worship is not about you feeling comfortable. Worship is about making him comfortable. And he's most comfortable when we worship him in the manner he has prescribed. Because our God is a holy God. Our God is a consuming fire. Yes, he's a good, good father. Yes, I'm his favorite one. I get it. I am all of that. But if that's all you do is eat Pop-Tarts, as much as I love, I had Pop-Tarts this morning. <laughs> I had cinnamon ones. And cherry sprinkle once. Two pop tarts. But if, why? Because my three granddaughters, sorry, Ryan, my three granddaughters were over last night, and so we have special things when grandma and grandpa's in charge. So it's a special day. It's a special day. So we had pop tarts, and well, we had oatmeal. We had oatmeal too. We had, we had oatmeal. But I put a little brown sugar, put a little brown sugar in the oatmeal, which made it all the better. But the point of the matter is, if your pyramid is all chocolate, 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 right. right? 
And it's all, he's a good, good father. No, he is a holy, righteous God who says, when you worship me, you better do it this way because he'll not accept. Ask Phineas and Hophni, oh man, I'm so far afield. If, if the strange fire they offered in worship was accepted, no, they were struck dead. Well, that's Old Testament. God's got a wrath. Okay, let's fast forward to the New Testament where a, a, a couple by the name of Ananias and Sapphira decided they were going to mess with the Holy Ghost and lie to him and not worship in their giving in a prescribed manner. See, see, see what you've done now? See what you've done now? You just poke the bear. All right. Place the ladder of your life on a sure foundation. If it's not there, give your life to Jesus today. Okay, boom, my life's on the foundation. Now what? Take the ladder of your life and lean it against something that's immovable and sure, and that's the church. Not perfect, filled with flaws because you're in it and I'm in it, but it is, it is the structure he has prescribed. And as the church was formed, as codified, bam, there's the church. He said, do these things. Dedicate yourself to the teaching of the apostles, learn the word, fellowship, hang out together. See, one of the biggest, oh my gosh, one of, the prob, one, of the, one of the many problems the church has in some regard is we think that life is best done in rows. That's Western mentality. This is why the power of connect groups are so awesome, because you actually sit in a circle. Right? Can you imagine, can you imagine if you went over to, to, came over to my house and I had all rows set up? And I sat in the row with you. We just sat there and stared at the wall. Not a lot of connection happening, right? No, it happens across the dinner table. It happens in the living room. Not staring at the TV, by the way. Another little hobby horse of mine. Why is every chair in your room pointed at that thing? Because it's your teacher. So what's coming out of it then if it's your teacher? See, I've gone to meddling. When you give me that extra 10 minutes, I have so many extra things I can say. But uh, we'll finish here. If it doesn't matter how many resources you have, it doesn't matter how many resources you have if you don't know how to use them. God's given you all kinds of resources. But if you're trying to get to a place and you're not using the resources correctly, you're never going to attain what he's designed, giving you the ladder of your life. He showed you these rungs. Get together and worship. Pray. Fellowship. Learn the Bible. And if you're not doing those things, your life looks like a guy standing on a bunch of ladders trying to look over the wall. Or worse yet, you're watching a parade through a knothole in a fence. There goes everything right by you. Boom, boom, boom. It looks good, huh? but you don't get to participate. I'm done with that. Because if, if I'm in it to win it, I want to squeeze the orange as hard as I can. Why not? You're not getting out of this thing called life alive. So go for it anyway. We're going to call me crazy because I go to Destiny Church. They already do. They already do. So you may as well own it. Level up. Go preach the gospel in front of Abraham Lincoln at 444. Whatever it takes. Be authentic. Be a Christian. Be a believer. And practice these four steps. Stand up with me, please. Praise the Lord. Something you learn as a pastor, you can never successfully push anybody up a ladder. I can't push you up a ladder. You got to decide for yourself. And it's going to be, I think it's going to be my hobby horse for a while. And if you think you can outlast me, try again. Well, I'm just tired of that church always talking about worship. Tired of that church always talking about, my, it's, what we're, it's what we are prescribed to do by the one who founded us. It is our charter. Get in the word fellowship with one another, pray and worship. Father, this morning, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for leading us. Thank you for speaking to us. Lord, create in us a, a greater thirst for your word, a greater desire for koinonia. 
Lord, if it's been a while since we've really buckled down and had a conversation with you and listened and prayed with one another or worshiped, let this be the day. Let this be the date that things change. That you strap on the gospel shoes for yourself. You tie them up tight and you start climbing. You say, I got a sure foundation. But if you don't have that foundation this morning and you need it in your life, that foundation is Jesus. He has the answer to every one of your questions and he'll lead you if you'll trust him. If you need that assurance this morning, I'm here to pray for you. I just need to know you need prayer. So just lift your hand in the air with me right now and that's saying, Pastor, would you pray for me? Some of you right now aren't going to do it because you think, it's embarrassing. I'm not going to embarrass you. Jesus hung naked on a cross in front of the entire world. Wasn't concerned about being embarrassed about you. So Lord, you see these hands. Here we are. We're broken, but we know that you're the one that can fix us. Help us and lead us to once again, or for the very first time, place our feet on a sure foundation the rock. You pull us out of a slimy pit and you set us on a rock. And may this day be the day that our journey begins. Thank you, God, for grace. Thank you for a second try at this. Thank you for another another run up the mountain. We bless you today. We thank you for accepting us and then changing us by the power of your spirit. Would you all just kind of hold your hands out? I'd like to bless you this morning. Father, these are your people. And so I ask, Lord, that you would put your anointing on their life, bless them, keep them, provide for them, sustain them. Give them lots of wisdom this week, Lord, a lot of crazy things we don't even know going to happen in the news, in the world, down the street. So, Lord, help us keep our eyes focused on you, strengthened by your word, strengthened by the fellowship of other believers, strengthened in our prayer, and strengthened in our worship. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.